0: Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of the Commander Quest podcast. Today we are going to be analyzing the Elder Spell, talking about a Samut, Voice of Descent, Descent, Exerted deck, and Oketra, Little Dudes, God Eternal Oketra to be specific, deck, going over our collection statistics, and we are going to be covering some updates to the podcast. So first of all, I am one episode from the six uh, month marker. I release an episode every week and I have some bonus episodes. Currently, I believe I have three. That's my guess. Hopefully I'm right. I'm just going to assume that next episode is going to be the six month marker. Um, I currently don't have any plans for it. But I I might come up with something, but I also might decide just to not come up with something. We'll see. So, second thing, uh, during the intro, hopefully I can find a better way to incorporate it, but there are time blocks in the description or chapters if you're watching on YouTube uh, to skip to the parts of the episode you want to hear about. For example, if you just really love the exert mechanic and are thinking, do I really want to make an exerted deck? You can go in the description and listen to that, skip to that part. Now, I was thinking of putting it in Audi in terms of audio, but I'm sure you can figure out it's going to be very, very complicated. In order to do that, I have to know when I'm recording it exactly how long I'm going to be speaking, saying that, for example, if I speak for 32 seconds saying the time blocks, I have to know that all those time blocks are going to be delayed by 32 seconds. And it's very difficult to predict that type of thing, and just very difficult to implement. So I'm not doing that, at least for now. Um, because it's extremely difficult. Even if I make it super scripted, I speak at different, at different speeds, sometimes I'll pause. Tons of different things can change. And having to do take and take and take over and over and over again just to get that right thing would be extremely difficult. So let's get into analyzing the card for this week. So the card of the week this week is the Elder Spell. The Elder Spell is black, black for sorcery. Destroy any number of target planeswalkers. Choose a planeswalker you control. Put two loyalty counters on it for each planeswalker destroyed this way. So, first thing that I calculated for this is that there are an average of 1.69 planeswalkers per deck. It is actually that number. Um, so, nice. But, beyond that, That seems about right to me. Some decks have none. Some decks have one or two. And then a lot. And then a couple of decks have ten. So, or something like that. Super Friends decks, for example. Uh, In this case, that would be like Atraxa had an average of ten per deck. That's just because it's a little bit skewed. Because Atraxa also has a lot of archetypes. But we have... 1.69 planeswalkers per deck on our opponents. So if we assume we have three opponents, which of course I always do for all of these, and we assume it is turn six at the time we cast this, that way we're likely to have a planeswalker of our own, there's a 50% chance we get one. Now this is actually quite sad. So Basically, it's difficult to assume that our opponents are going to have planeswalkers. If they have, even if any, there's a 50% chance one of our opponents will have a planeswalker by turn 6. I didn't even factor in CMC like I usually do. I gave this the most generous uh, estimates that I have given really anything. So, first of all, turn six is pretty late. I assume for a, t- a card like this, seems reasonable. So, for this, if we're getting rid of our opponent's planeswalkers, even if we have a planeswalker of our own, then we have a fifty percent chance to be able to get rid of a planeswalker, and then get to loyalty. Which who knows? Who knows what our loyalty percentage is even going to be? You can calculate that, by the way. Uh, just plug in these numbers to the hypergeometric distribution calculator So I will link to that in the description. Put in 99 into your population size the number of successes in your population is The number of cards that you would count if you were to draw them uh, So for example something that tutored a planeswalker might also count in your mind Uh, Sample size is is 7 plus the turn it is, so the number of cards that you would have drawn up to that point. Also, if you have enough draw, you might want to add 1 to that if you can consistently get a draw spell. Uh, And the number of successes in sample is the number you think you're likely to draw. You can bring that up or down depending on what odds you end up with. So... There is a 50% chance of 1, so if you have even like an 80% chance, then you're getting... Like it's just half the time you're getting to destroy one planeswalker. And I, I calculated a 13% chance of 2. It's just not really good unless you are willing to kill your own planeswalkers. If you would consider, if it's okay, if the El- if Elder Spell is playable, if you are destroying your own Planeswalkers, which I would say you would have to have a significant number of Planeswalkers, probably 22 or more, in order for that to be a viable option. If it is reasonable, if you have that many Planeswalkers, and it is reasonably playable for you to use that in that case, I would say you can do it. Other than that, I don't think it is. Um, I did wait a little bit to analyze this um, a little bit after War of the Spark. I've had this one in my mind for a while. I actually forgot about it for a point for a while um, because I wanted to get past the artificially inflated Numbers of extra planeswalkers, but even at that at that point I don't think it would be good to put in a lot of decks. I Would recommend if you are having an issue with planeswalkers First of all what you can do is you can do a similar analyzing as I did if you are playing against a Super friends deck These numbers change drastically. That's what you've got to notice. All of these things drastically depend on your meta. If you are, for example, playing against a deck with 15 planeswalkers, I'd say that's about average. Yeah, that seems about right. Maybe 16 or 17 is a little bit normal. So if we assume that all of your opponents have a total of 20 planeswalkers. Again, I'm going to cover how to use the hypergeometric distribution calculator. So all of our opponents, total deck size 297. The number of successes in population is 20 planeswalkers. The sample size, if we're going to assume the same, thir- the same turn six, we do seven plus six is 13 times three is 39. So that's the number of cards that all our opponents are going to draw and the number of successes. So if we we have a 94% chance of one a sorry, a 76% chance of it being two and a 50% chance of it being three. So most of the time we will get probably two. Maybe three if we're lucky, maybe one if we're unlucky. But Most of the time, we're going to end up being able to kill two Planeswalkers, which by itself is very much worth it. Second of all, because it's very difficult to kill Planeswalkers when there's a lot of them. Third of all, because you might have a Planeswalker of your own. So, if you are playing against a Super Friends deck, don't let this dissuade you. It can be extremely, extremely useful. And if you can get a hand on your opponent's deck lists, you can go through similar processes as I do and get a huge advantage. Now, I don't think it's really that important. I just like doing this to bring some underrated cards into the light. So, first of all, so it is time to get into the decks. So today we have two decks, one which is an Oketra deck, that likes to take advantage of cheap to cast spells and make lots of 4-4s. Uh, real quick before this, uh, spoilers for Core 2021 are part of Magic News, but I decided not to cover them. I will cover them in the set release and I will put the link in the description of where you can look at Core 21 spoilers. I will be releasing my set release, uh, pretty soon, once all of the cards are spoiled. Currently, I do not remember when that will be, but I know it's fairly certain. I believe it's the 21st, but don't quote me on that. Alright, so real quick, I'm going to explain the Commander Quest. So, the Commander Quest is my eventual goal in building all these decks. So, I'm building, like, roughly 300 decks, With no overlap in cards. So eventually I will have built decks with every single card in Magic that is legal in Commander. That is my eventual goal. That is what I'm working on. And that is what these decks are a part of. So if you're like, why isn't this card in there? It's because it's really limited. And I'm trying to balance these for this scenario. I'm not balancing them for play, I do when that's possible, and I do want them to be as close as possible to playable, but I'm trying to make all of these decks that, and that's really difficult, so it's not any type of competitive deck. So, first of all, we have the Exerted deck. So Exerted, if you do not know, is an ability where usually when they're attacking, but when they're doing, maybe if they're doing an activated ability or something like that, you may exert them. So what that does is it doesn't untap during your next untap step, and you get an extra effect. So so, so basically effects like this is, uh, an example is on crop Champion. Two green, white for 4-4. Four, four. You may exert it as it attacks. When you do, untap all other creatures you control. So there are a lot of different ways that you can synergize with this. The first one is that some cards with exert, their exert triggers will exert or will trigger when you exert any creature, not just that one. For example, Battlefield Scavenger is 1 in a red for 2-2. You may exert it as it attacks and whenever you exert a creature you may discard a card if you do draw a card. The second way is, well, first of all, we have a total of 24 creatures with exert. The second way is with uh, cards that either give it vigilance or that untap it. It does not matter if it doesn't untap during your next untap phase. If it's already untapped, if it never got tapped in the first place. That is why we have the planes. The commander of Sumu, voice of descent. 3, red, green for 3-4 with flash, double strike, and vigilance, and haste. Other creatures you control have haste, and white, tap, untap another target creature. This is a way to untap our stuff, and with it, we can make it so that It doesn't matter that our thing doesn't untap during the next untap step. That way we can just use the exert over and over and over again and get a huge advantage. So it is time to get into the next category that we can take advantage of it through, which is vigilance. Now I put quotes around this because some of them just untap the creature and I categorize them in the same spot. So the reason that Vigilance is good and I would say even better than being able to untap the creature is because it's never untapped in the first place. If we can give the creature Vigilance permanently, we will always be able to exert it and we will never have any repercussions. It just has no downside, now as I said it's not always for attacking but for the vast majority of the time it is. Uh, Just browsing through it, I'm fairly certain that there are only two cards in this deck that trigger on an activated ability and not from uh, attacking, but I could be wrong. Oh, I see three. Alright, there are three cards in this deck that trigger from something other than attacking, but... Overall, that is very good. That means that for 21 creatures, if I can get a creatures you control, so if it triggers, if it covers all the all the stuff, then I will be able to trigger all of my exert triggers every single turn without any repercussion. That is just amazing. Um, so... We have a lot of different examples of that. For example, a Johnny the Great-Hearted is two green-white for, five, uh, for a legendary planeswalker Johnny with lo- five loyalty, and it has creatures you control, have vigilance. Plus one, you gain three life. Negative two, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control, and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you control. So this actually has a surprising number of planeswalkers, uh, because a lot of the Planeswalkers like to give uh vigilance. Next is a Johnny Steadfast, which is three and a white for a four loyalty planeswalker a johnny. Until end of turn, up to one target creature gets plus one, plus one and gains first strike, vigilance, and lifelink. Okay, we get to attack with one creature over and over and over again. Meanwhile, getting a Johnny up, right? And because they have vigilance, they can block super well too. Uh, plus, the emblem is the negative two is put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you control. Negative seven, you get an emblem with if a source would deal damage to you or a planeswalker you control, prevent all but one of that damage. So, again, tons of useful things. Always watching one white white for an enchantment. Non token creatures you control get plus one plus one in a vigilance. So, as you can see, there are a lot of different ways we can give Vigilance. First, we can give one creature Vigilance consistently, either through a recurring one-turn effect, or we can give it through just um, an aura that is attached to it, such as Brave the Sand. Well, actually, no, sorry, such as Asha's Favor. Two and a white for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature has flying, first strike, and vigilance. So, this can be quite useful. Um, This way, it gets vigilance. Uh, it's three mana, which is alright. And it just consistently gets vigilance. So, th- as I said, there are a lot of different ways to give it Vigilance, uh, one other uh, category of that would be Dauntless Aven, which is two and a white for 2-1. When it attacks, untap a uh, target creature you control, and it has flying. That way, we are consistently getting one creature Vigilance, or quote-unquote Vigilance, because it's being untapped, um, by attacking with that. That is basically most categories of things that do that, some things repeatedly untap things, some things untap your team, and there's a lot of different ways to do it, but those are the general categories and the ones that I'm going to cover. So to reiterate, we have the vigilance category, which makes it I can, so I can use my exert creatures over and over again. We have the Exert category, which gives me the value, this is the center of the deck. We have the Draw category, which just gets me some draw. I don't have very much of it, because sadly, it is very difficult to get Draw in this challenge. And we don't. And we have the Removal category, which gets me removal. Same thing as Draw, don't have too much, it's very difficult to get that in this challenge. Uh, one thing that I forgot to touch on in the beginning, but it's fine, I will touch on it now. I am considering a rules change for the challenge. Uh, I'm done going over this deck for now. Um, So, I'm considering making a rules change to the Commander Quest. Basically, the way it works now, I am not really able to build particularly powerful decks. I would say the optimal decks that I would build would be purely the... Uh, not generally known, not too much known, super niche pieces for the decks. They would have all the uncommonly known um, cards in them that work well with the commander, and not all that staple fluff. Anyone can go and stick a pile of staple staples together, so I don't think it's useful to be presenting decks that have a lot of those. That is one of the reasons that I constructed the rules this way. But this way, when there are specific uses of these cards, I can't really use it twice. And sometimes niche things work really nichely in the same in different decks. So I'm considering making rules change. I think my goal would still be the same to try to... Um, use all these cards but for now not gonna do this Uh, I will if I can figure out a good way to format this so that I can remove staples and I can come up with a great way to present these things then I am probably going to make the change but for now I'm just gonna keep on doing the same thing all right Uh, second uh, one more thing before I move on to the next category is technically architect uh, marks this as uh, not legal deck because I included Basri devoted Paladin for in the deck. It is four white white for four loyalty legendary planeswalker Basri. It is and it was printed in M twenty one. It has plus one, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, it gains vigilance until the end of turn. Negative one, whenever creature attacks turn, put a plus one plus one counter on it. And a negative six, creatures you control get plus two plus two and gain flying until end of turn. The reason that this is categorized as not legal is what I already said. It was printed in M21. This is a new card from the new set and Technically the set has not been released yet, so you technically can't play it play it yet. But it fits so well into the deck that I just decided to put it in. Alright, next up is a God Eternal Oketra Little Dude's deck. God Eternal Oketra is 3 White White for a 3-6 with Double Strike. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a 4-4 four, four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. When God Eternal Ocatcher dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it on top of its owner's library, third from the top. So, there are basically two ways we take advantage of this. The first is just by casting tons of cheap, low CMC, uh, commonly vanilla creatures because I can take advantage of them of them in this case um just casting those over and over well not just casting a lot of those i have 28 of them in the deck so i can cast them over and over again well not over and over again i can cast them to get four fours and themselves to beat down with because of god eternal catchers second thing is ramp dudes i have creatures that will ramp me uh usually mana dorks sometimes a core cartographer and they can make it so that i can get out god eternal Oketra, or give me uh zombies once i have her or him or it i don't know uh out so then there is the there is the last category which is bounce these will return my own creatures be it itself or others Uh, back to my hand so that I can cast them over and over again for a cost of mana and trigger God Eternal Oketra over and over again. One example of this, usually they are creatures, but sometimes they are not. One example of this would be Aviary Mechanic. One in a white for 2-2. When it enters the battlefield, you may return another permanent you control to its owner's hand. That's an example of one that returns something other than itself. Complex automaton is 4 for 4-4, beginning of your upkeep. If you control 7 or more permanents, return it to its owner's hand. So that's one that um, returns itself on upkeep. And then there are others. For example, Emancipation Angel, 1 white-white for 3-3, three, three flying. When it enters the battlefield, return a permanent you control to its owner's hand. Now this is different because I can get it to return itself that way I can cast it over and over and over again for 3 mana every time getting a zombie that can be very very useful so beyond that there isn't too much um, those are the general categories we have some more that return themselves at upkeep we have some more that return themselves return others at upkeep there are a lot of different things like that but usually they just replicate those categories of cards now this is a pretty straightforward deck I just have a ton of bounce ton of little dudes that are vanilla and a ton of ramp I also have a bygone bishop for draw bygone bishop is two and a white for two three with flying whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost three or less investigate, and it is a 2-3. Now, I was considering saving this for a clue deck, uh, because I think that's something that I'm going to be making, and in fact I have resisted from putting this into a lot of decks in the past for that specific reason, but at some point I realized that this would just be awkward in a clue deck. The odds of me actually including it would be rather low, because I rarely, when I build that type of deck, realize I can use a card like this, because it just doesn't work. There aren't those creatures with converted mana cost 3 or less to support it. There's this very common issue with cards that I want to include in decks, so I decided to include it in here when I'm I'm casting, first of all, tons of creatures with CMC 3 or less, And I'm recasting them a lot, too. So, it's a pretty straightforward deck. We have some vanilla creatures that we can get out of the way. We have some bounce that we can recast over and over again. And we can just churn out so, so many zombies. We have ramp to get up to god eternal catcher, and it's still good even if we draw after. And we have just bygone bishop as draw. We also have 37 planes in the deck, uh, and it's great to have this in mono-white. Alright, it is time to get into the collection statistics. So far we have 2,583 total cards and 2,577 total unique cards or unique printings. Uh, This is because of seven dwarves that they are not the same. Uh, the estimated value is 4196.27 which is again slightly higher than I, than it needs to be but that's okay and in terms of how I did today I have a total of roughly $100 which uh, for a total of roughly 120 I, I think exactly actually 126 cards uh, is rather rather good actually um with a total average of 220 card per card and this average of roughly 120 per card maybe it's i think it's a little bit more more than that uh that is below both of those significantly at about 80 cents per card in terms of color distribution we have 373 green, 497 red 252 black, 406 blue, 382 white. So this is actually really good. With this mono white deck, and I also built a red green white deck, white is almost completely caught up. Red still does have a lot more than the other colors, but if I were to, say, build two mono black decks um, next week, then that would just make it super even with only red being ahead, and I'm tempted to do that. Again, I've said this before: I build what decks I think I want to build, and honestly, probably I'll start by looking in the mono-black section of EDHREC and see if I can come up with anything. If I can, I will definitely be doing that. If not, then that sucks. Uh, For Coalis we have 479 cards, Uh, still still too much. Multicolor, 194, still too little. Um, Alright, for type distribution we have 1470 creatures, 283 sorceries, 379 artifacts, 24 planeswalkers, 90 lands, 253 enchantments, We have five tribal cards and two hundred and thirty-one instants. Fairly good, fairly good, good distribution. We have, in terms of rarity distribution, we have nine hundred ninety-three commons, seven hundred and eighty-five uncommons, six hundred ninety-three rares, and one hundred and twelve mythics. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to dislike, unsubscribe, hit that little don't don't recommend channel button. Leave my Discord server, link in the description, and force friends to sign a contract to never watch my content. Uh, There will be links in the description to a hypergeometric distribution calculator if that is relevant to today's discussions, which it very commonly is. Um, I'm probably just going to make that a standard, always in the description. Uh, There will be links to my personal architect account. My Commander Quest Architect account. Uh, My Commander Quest Architect account is the account which I post Commander Quest related decks, and my Personal Architect account is just where I put whichever decks that I'm working on that I might want to build or that are not part of the Commander Quest. Uh, There will be time blocks in the description, or if you're watching on YouTube, it will be in chapters and you can email me at griffindont at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.